my name is deepak sharma and i'm a professional speaker public speaking and communication coach and we are bringing to you professional speakers from all over the world to help you realize your potential and understand from their journey how they have reached where they are today Welcome back to your story, your glory. Next episode with a very special person who is not only my mentor but also a world champion of public speaking. Nineteen ninety nine. He is none other than Craig Valentine. Yes, Craig is not only a world champion but he has spoken in more than thirty plus countries across the world. He's helping leaders, speakers, salespeople. to convert their presentation into profits and you know that he is also called a master storyteller let's welcome this master storyteller craig valentine world champion of public speaking 1999 on your story your glory welcome craig to our session your story your glory Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I have my uh, co-host with me, Hani Khanduja, all the way from India. Thank yeah. you, Deepak, and I'm so excited to meet Craig, and definitely looking forward to hear a lot of his stories. Yeah, you, you're so excited to to see me because uh, apparently, when I went out to India, you 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 moved just so you can avoid me. Wow. <laughs> Not at Honey, all, with- Craig. Not at all. So, so I would definitely take you back to Infosys My Soil in your memories, and would share the story there in this podcast. And I look forward to see you soon. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you. Before we ask you some interesting questions, I would like to know your story that brought you so much of glory in the past so many years. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I can clear this up because some people are mad at me, and you know why. Because I joined Toastmasters in March of 1998. Okay. I got my CTM, Competent Toastmasters, in March of 1999, and won the World Championship in August of 1999 in my very first try. My very first oh, try. Thank God. Yes. Yeah. But when I tell you, I, <laughs> yeah, I know. Can you can you feel the haters on this call? <laughs> yeah. That is amazing. That is but, amazing. But so people say to me that what well, you know. You probably never even lost a speech contest, and yes, I have. I lost a humorous speech contest, honey, at the club level. And I'll never forget a seasoned Toastmaster came up to me afterwards, named Alan Mish, and he said, "Craig, you can win the world championship of public speaking." I was like, "What are you talking about? This lost the humorous speech contest at the club level." He said, "That's okay." He said, "The only thing wrong with your humorous speech was that it wasn't funny." <laughs> And, and I, yeah, and I ask my audiences. I say, "You ever given a speech you wish you could take back?" Yeah, have you, Deepak? Ever given a speech you wish you could take back? Yes. Yeah, and then I promise them. I say that will happen much less often after today because you're about to get some tools you can use to keep your audience on the edge of their seats and make them glad they came. And so that that's a story that I use a lot of times on just getting into my message and getting people fired up about it. But yes, I lost at the club level. So hopefully I can remain similar rather than special. 
But it's amazing that you said you joined in 1998 and you won in 1999. Have you been practicing from your childhood or like what? No, I was a kid that had a lisp. I don't know if you, do you know who Daffy Duck is? Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, there was a man named Mr. H who, fe- who I re- was walking in the mall by myself and he came up to me and he asked me how I was doing. I said, I'm fine. He said, what's going on in your life? I told him. And he just kept looking at me really strange. And then finally, he looked down at me and, and told me that I had a lisp, a speech okay. impediment. Here are his exact words. He said, Craigie, don't talk anymore because every time you open your mouth, you remind me of Daffy Duck. So that just cut everything, like my confidence, everything plummeted. And for the next four or five years, you couldn't get a word out of me. So that's my, that's my beginning. I was not a speaker. I was not even a talker. I, I stayed quiet for five years. And it was only after about five years when I forced myself to face reality and I started going through what I now call my four R's to remarkable results that I could stand before you today as the world champion of public speaking. And you know what? That man takes all the credit. (laughs) (laughs) He takes all the credit. It was a negative motivation for you, definitely. But I found some humor out of it, though, because the next time I saw him after I won the world championship... Uh, he came up to me and he was, he was like, oh my gosh, I, I read your articles and this and that. And then he surprised me. He said, I can't believe at the, the tender age of 10, some man would have the nerve to call you Daffy Duck. <laughs> I'm like, Mr. H, you, I don't know how to tell you this, but it was you. <laughs> <laughs> he said, it was me. I said, yeah, you don't even remember. He said, no, Craig, but I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. And I, it, all this anger started to arise in me. But then it went away because I realized something. Mm. I would not be the speaker. I would not be the man. I, I certainly wouldn't be who I am today if he hadn't stopped me and, and made me face reality all those years back. But I told you, I found some humor out of it because I said to him, look, thank you. But as far as you not remembering what you did to me, I think that's despicable. And we laughed and laughed. And laughed. <laughs> But that's that's where I come from. So, no, I was I am certainly not natural at this, but my naturalness is on the far side of preparation. My naturalness is on the far side of hard work. And I put that work in. I think, you know, a good message coming out of this, it is not important for you to be an expert because nobody comes get a gift of gab from the childhood. You know, it's all hard work and preparation. This is a strong message and we are hearing from your story that brought you glory. Thank you. Yeah, it really is. And and I remember being in my first overseas trip. I was in Taiwan and I was in Taipei. Yeah. And and a person, I was walking out after my presentation. He, He looked at me, he said, Craig, how long do you have to practice before you can be great? And I said, I want you to imagine that you're great now and go practice like it. Wow. And that, that was a, I think that made a difference for that person. Absolutely. You have to feel whatever you want to become in life. Yeah, because there's no finish line, Absolutely. right? There's no finish line. You, success is not something you get to. It's something that you become. So there's no finish line. Fantastic, Craig. I think this was a really an inspiration sto- inspirational story for all the Toastmasters, especially, who will get mad at you after listening to this story. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully after this, they'll, they'll get some tools from me that, that help them get to the next level. Yes. Honey. But Craig, I have a question here. 
uh, we got to know about your daffy duck story right there was somebody who spoiled your confidence and you lost your uh, confidence at that age you worked hard you practiced you prepared and this is where you are my question is like was there some guru or was somebody in your life who really motivated you encouraged you and pushed you to be where you are right now several I mean, of them there would be yeah. some one is it oh absolutely several of them in fact when i was in prison visiting <laughs> got to clarify that an inmate came up after my presentation he said craig i'm getting out of here in a few months i'm feeling good about life and i and i'm back on the right track i said well there's a quote by will rogers who says you might be on the right track but if you just stand there you'll be run over yeah but i left that day thinking well i'm glad he's back on the right track but maybe just maybe i'm standing still as a speaker now honey be honest with me have you ever wondered whether you're getting better or worse at what you do Actually, yes. Yeah. How about you, Deepak? You ever wonder whether you're getting better or worse at what you do? Every day. Yeah. Yeah. You're always getting better or worse. There's no neutral. You're always getting better or worse. So I decided to call up this lady who's supposed to be one of the best public speaking coaches in the country. And I said, listen, I need a coach and I need to be coached by you. She said, are you sure? I said, yes, I did my research. I know you're the one I want to coach me. She said, do you know how much I charge? I said, it doesn't even matter. She said, that's great. That's a wonderful attitude. That's fantastic. That will be $4,000 per day. I said, look, I'm pretty happy with the skills that I have. Thank you very much. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then I realized that so many people look at the price of doing something and they don't look at the cost of not. Yeah. yeah. So I actually decided to go out to Vegas and get coached by her. And it was Patricia Fripp. And here's wow. what I came to realize. Wow. She says, this is funny. She said to me, Craig, show me the beginning of your keynote speech. So I, I all confident I gave her the first few lines of my keynote speech. She said, okay, I'm going to recommend that you never start that way again. <laughs> and what I came to realize from those, I spent two days with her. What I came to realize is I was the world champion already, right? But I was nowhere near where I needed to be as a speaker. And I came to that understanding that what got me here won't get me there. Absolutely. Right. And, and Marshall Goldsmith later coined the term, what got you here won't get you there. It always takes new tools, new strategies, new techniques, new ways. And sometimes, honey, it's not pleasant. But Patricia Fripp was a guru to me. And once I went to her, I went from here to boom. And my career just elevated. And so, yeah, she was, she was, I <laughs> she might be watching this. Yes, I will say she was encouraging, but she also gave me the tools to take it to that next, next, next level. She is amazing because when I moved to Houston in 2019 and Craig, I joined Toast, uh, this NSA immediately coming to US. And, you know, uh, in my first meeting, who was the presenter there? Fripp. Patricia Fripp. Yeah. I, believe I was it. so happy. Yeah. She was the first ever female president of NSA. So she's, yeah. she's yes, deep in it. So honey, I just would like to ask a leading question here. When you said you were world champion, but to reach or become a professional keynote speaker, you had to hire a coach. Oh, I was already a speaker. I, was, I yeah. just wasn't as good as I needed to be. Yeah. So a lot of people who wanted to become world champion, but you know, world champion can be only one person. 
but if they lose sometimes at the division level or the district level it doesn't mean they are a bad speaker they are a great speaker because there must be some day somebody is great that particular day who has won so for those people i want you to share is it possible for them or how should they go ahead and become a keynote speaker if they want to get into a professional speaking journey i think the same way i did is is to to get, get out there and speak as often as possible right for free until you can turn it into speaking for fee i I like what you said, because there's a lady who was in my club named Diana, who always said to me, Craig, you know, I could be number two in the world. Nobody will know it because I lost to you, but you could be, I could be number two in the world. And she's absolutely right. And, and I, she actually did go out and make some presentations. So to me, you speak your way into speaking. There's no other way. You speak your way into speaking and you start to get feedback. And here's the thing. People say, well, I don't know. I don't want to speak for free. Well, then get paid for it. You know how you get paid? By speaking for free and getting testimonials. By speaking for free and recording your speech. I always say what gets recorded gets rewarded. Because if you can go back and look at it, you can get better just by coaching yourself. But also you can turn those recordings into products and you can sell them. And it's not like the person who buys them is going to be like, wow, this is a great product. But it just feels like you're speaking for free. No, they don't. They don't care. So yeah. there's so many ways to get compensated by speaking for free until you can turn it into getting paid for it. And that's what I think most people need to do. But unfortunately, when it comes to speaking, I, this is the way I put it across. A lot of people, I don't know if you've ever watched a, a race, but a lot of people live their lives on get set. Right. They want to do it. They take their marks. They get ready. They get set and they never go. Absolutely. And you know how that story ends. Most people die on get set. Absolutely. They take their ideas, their speeches, their invention, everything to the grave with them because they lived and they died on Get Set. And so what I try to do is just encourage people, get off of Get Set and go. And don't wait for every light in the city to turn green. Just go through one and you'll find some opportunities you never knew existed. Speak your way into speaking. I think that's very important. Speak your way into speaking. What a wonderful thought. And I'm giving this message to all my Toastmasters and non-Toastmasters friends. Even if you have not won the contest and you want to go on the speaking journey, speak your way to speaking. One, one of the people that I coached early on was Rory Vaden. And Rory Vaden did not win. He came in second in the, in the international contest. But he's been more successful than most people that have ever picked up the mic to say anything. So you don't even have to make it to the finals. You don't even have to make it to the district finals. As long as you're willing to put in the work and speak your way into speaking, you can do that. Here's one thing I would suggest you do. And I'll, I'll give you a story to, to exemplify that. Do you remember where the 2012 Summer Olympics were? No, this is a quiz. 2012 Summer Olympics were in London. Okay. Do you know, do you happen to know who the oldest participant in those Olympics was? I think that was uh, some equestrian, I think. It is. That was it. A 74-year-old equestrian from Japan. 74-year-old yeah. yeah. equestrian. So my seven-year-old son and I are watching this on TV. And unfortunately, all the commentators kept harping on was the guy's age. They just kept saying, he's 74. No matter what he did, he's 74. Can you imagine? He's 74. Finally, my seven-year-old son looked up and said, well, how old is the horse? And I... <laughs> And I just started laughing and laughing, but I, I couldn't get that question out of my mind. So I Googled it and they asked this man, they said, well, how long will you continue to compete? Guess what his answer was? He said, I can go on forever, but my horse is 15. Ah. 
And that's when I realized my son's question was much more relevant than I thought. And even though my son was only seven years old, he taught me something back then that he continues to teach me now. And he's a national champion in track and field now. He's won seven national championships. And he's taught me something about being great at anything, whether it's speaking or it's marketing or it's sales or whatever. Never stop asking questions. Yes. Never stop asking questions. The moment you stop asking questions is the moment you stop growing. So when it comes to finding your way through the speaking industry and, and being a professional speaker, you just need to be willing to put yourself out there and ask as many questions as possible. And then you're going to start to see some patterns that help you go where you need to go, but, but never stop asking questions. And that's what I did when I went to Fripp. Listen, when people come to me and I'm their coach, I, I tell them this, you're going to let my long road lead to your shortcut. Lovely. Let my long road lead to your shortcut. Because if you ever want to climb a mountain, you want to go to somebody who's climbed it. Absolutely. Not necessarily to tell you where to step, but where to avoid stepping. And I think that's what you need. So getting coached is a great way to elevate yourself into this industry as well. We're going to apply this learning right now. I'm going to ask you many questions. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) But definitely, this was a great insight into uh, Craig's life. And I'm noting down several keepers. Uh, I'm very sure, uh, Craig, you have already learned a lot of lessons from your kids. Yeah. From my kids? Absolutely. Yes. One of the fondest memories that you have with your daughter or your son, which has changed your life somehow. Would you like to share it with us? Um, fondest memory of, of my daughter or son that's changed my life. I, I tell you, my, one of my fondest memories was when my daughter was six years old and she came to me and she said, Daddy, I want a bunk bed. Okay. And I said, well, what for? You're one person. <laughs> but she talked me into it. I got her a bunk bed. But here's the problem. My son, Ace, who was three at the time, climbed to the top. And so I went to Ace. I said, Ace, you can't be up there. You're only three. You might fall. You might hurt yourself. You can't be up there anymore. Okay, buddy. He said, okay, daddy. Now, do you have kids, Deepak, honey? Do you have kids? Yeah, my, my kids have grown up. Okay. Now, you already know where I'm going with this. I came home yeah. the next day. Where was he? On the top. On the top. <laughs> On the top. So I had to put some bass in my voice, let him know I'm serious. I said, Ace, I told you yesterday, you're not allowed to be up there. You can't be up there. What are you doing up there? What are you doing up there? He said, coming down. <laughs> I tell you, honey, I went and I had a, a, a 15K race later that day and I laughed throughout the whole race. I laughed throughout the whole. Now, whenever something like that happens to me, I say to myself, this has to be a story. This has because it won't leave me. Right. And so I <laughs> I started taking it to Toastmasters and taking it to different places and seeing what people got from it. And this is this is a tool that I, I tell people to do also. Start giving your story. Let the audience tell you what they get from it. Yeah. Because I'm always looking for a foundational phrase. I'm looking for a phrase that's fewer than 10 words that is rhythmic, doesn't have to rhyme, but that's somewhat rhythmic, easy to say, and is you focused, focused on the audience, such as what got you here won't get you there. Okay, I'm looking for, I'm always looking for a phrase that people can remember, repeat, retweet, repost, all of that. I couldn't find one for this story. And so I took it to a Toastmasters club and nobody had a a suggestion for me. And later on that night, somebody called me and said, Craig, I got one for you. I said, well, what is it? He said, sometimes you have to ignore your parents to get to the top. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually 
actually that's actually wonderful. I mean, I isn't that it's cool sometimes? <laughs> yeah, I, I did hang up on him after that. <laughs> no, but that's I mean, sometimes you get a phrase you don't like, but that was one of my fondest memories, honey. Just a, a that I had to turn into a story because it, it, the whole time I'm running, I'm just thinking of what he said and how he said it, and and my daughter was involved as well because it was her bunk bed. So it's just that that was a great memory. Didn't necessarily change my life, but gave me a new story. But what I learned from you, uh, Mark and Darren, and also through State Time University, where I have a student out there, I've learned that every moment you guys have created story out of it. We do. And, and, and I've known Darren for about 20 years now. Yeah, right before he won, he had sent me a book and asked me some advice, asked me some questions, right? Well, but Darren taught me a lesson, probably in the early 2000s. Darren said, Craig, every time you speak, you need to build your list. You need to have a, a, a something in the back of the room where they can put their name and email address on. So you can build your list. You can stay in contact with people, maybe even market to them later. Now, this is how I was. This is my mindset back then. List schmissed. I'm not building a list. I'm an artist. I'm an artist. This is my art. I don't need to market. I don't need a business side. I'm an artist. And I fought that battle for six years. Now, if you're counting, that's two years longer than our civil war, right? <laughs> That's a long battle that I fought. And I realized something. I'm about to be a starving artist unless I can do something different. But I still wasn't sold on this whole list thing. And then one day Darren said to me, Craig, I have a new program. I'm going to market it to my list and see what happens. I said, more power to you, man. I wish you luck. Three days later, he calls me and said, Craig, I marketed the program to my list. And in three days, I made $23,000. I said, what'd you say about that list again? What were you talking about? Years, <laughs> And that's when I became a believer in building lists. So Mark, Darren, Ed, and I constantly teach each other what we know. And Darren and Ed and I have a, have a accountability call every month to keep each other. So because we know what got us here won't get us there. And that's very important. Amazing. Yeah. And let me tell you this also. This is when I realized I love the I love the title of your of your podcast. No, no glory, no story. Wait, 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 tell me it again. It's the glory. Your story, story, your glory. Yeah. We used to have a saying that you know you you know my glory, you see my glory, but you don't know my story. So I really like that as your title. But here's when I realized that stories were so important. I always tell my audience, being the world champion is a blessing and a curse. Right. Because if you had been walking towards me in the Chicago airport two days after I won the world championship, you would have seen my wife on one side of me and me carrying this gigantic crystal trophy. Right. Just walking through the Chicago airport. And of course, as you configure, everybody's looking at me. And, and uh, Deepak, I, I thought I heard I thought I heard a lady say, is, is that Denzel Washington? <laughs> <laughs> it looked like one. <laughs> Hey, you didn't have to laugh that hard. <laughs> but, but this is when I realized my life would never be the same. This petite lady in a pink dress runs up to me in the middle of the airport. Everybody's watching, starts reading the bottom of my trophy. And she says, hmm, 1999 world champion of public speaking. Wow. Say some things. <laughs> Say something. <laughs> and I was speechless. But that's when I realized no matter where I go in life, people are going to say, would you mind saying some things? Yeah. So I came to a fundamental understanding about my life as a speaker and really about yours, too. When it comes to speaking, I can no longer get ready to speak. I have to stay ready to speak. 
right? And my new motto is don't get ready, stay ready. Mm-hmm. Well, what is the absolute best way to stay ready to speak? Have your collection of stories. Yes. Have and, your collection of stories. And then when you have collection of stories, they, I always uh, tell honey that they work like popcorns in your mind and start coming out of it. I love that. That's exactly what happens. Because not only do you have your stories, but your stories also have you, right? Yeah. They just have you. They have your back. They're with you. And you never have to memorize them because you live them. You internalize them. I always tell speakers, don't memorize, internalize. There's a big difference. When you memorize, guess what? You miss a word, you're done. Done, But you internalize, you can be interrupted, which I love to be. You can find spontaneous moments that you can jump on. You can laugh with the audience. You can joke with them. You can come right back without missing a beat and get right back into your story. So don't memorize, internalize, big difference. I always know which anchor is coming next. An anchor can be, anything that gets you to remember the point. For example, an anecdote. Let's look at four A's for anchors. An anecdote. When people remember your anecdote or story, they remember the point that's attached to it. An activity. When people reflect on the activity, they know the point that's attached to it. An analogy. I talk about the crabs in the barrel pulling you down. When people remember the crabs in the barrel, they remember what it represents. And I might just show an audio, an audio or visual, audio visual or, or slide. When people look at that chart, they know what it represents. So that graphic, they know. So I always know which anchor is coming next. I know how I'm going to transition into it and transition out of it. And the rest of the time, I'm just playing with the audience. Yeah. Playing with the audience. That's why you're called master storyteller, Greg. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's amazing. Uh, Greg, I have a question here. We always speak about that it's all about stories, right? Stories is uh, stories the greatest way to be uh even in a business or a personal or any kind of professional speaking, stories are the best way. I have a question and maybe I'm reflecting personally now that you were like uh, saying that you should have your collection of stories. I have two nephews and one niece and I have had lots of stories from my Toastmasters journey as well. But when I look at it, I might not remember all of them so fondly. So would you recommend and suggest, not just to me, but to all the other uh, members, Toastmasters and non-Toastmasters, how to actually create this collection of stories. We might have it, but we don't remember it properly. So do you recommend that we should have a storybook? We should write it down. Should we keep notes or should we keep messages? How do we do that? Great question. I suggest having a story file, having a story file. And I don't suggest writing it down word for word. I've never written a story down word for word. I suggest just having some key words that will let you know to remember that story. Right. And then you just start speaking into it, speaking into it, whether you're in person or you're by yourself to start telling that story. And I always tell people this. You can't create a message without first creating a mess. Right. Yes. Yeah. If you look at the word message and you split it up, it's just a mess with age. Yes. Right. It's a mess that over time and over collaboration and over coaching and over sharing becomes a message. So when I start giving a story that I think, oh, yeah, this might touch people emotionally, it's not going to be good at the beginning until I give it over and over and over again. And then when I give it over and over and over again, whether to other people or just to myself, then it's in me, then I've got it. So yes, I suggest having a story file, but you know what else I suggest? Having a foundational phrase file, foundational phrase file, because then you can start to, to uncover more stories that can help prove that foundational phrase. So let's look at the foundational phrase for a second, because that's very important. Yeah. Have you ever seen a story that was all over the place? 
Have you ever seen yeah. story that just seemed to go yeah, all over? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, many times, especially, especially when they are giving initial speeches. Exactly. Now, have you ever given one? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. And it's because the speaker doesn't start crafting his message in the right place. One of the first things a speaker needs to do when he or she crafts a message is to come up with a foundational phrase. Now, again, what's the foundational phrase? What got you here won't get you there. What's the foundational phrase? Never stop asking questions. What's the foundational phrase? Don't get ready, stay ready. When I was in my store, I gave a story and the foundational phrase was your dream is not for sale. I woke up the next morning, they slid a newspaper under my door. I picked that up. There was a picture of me on the front cover and the headline read, your dream is definitely not for sale. So it gets repeated. It gets remembered. It gets reposted. It gets retweeted nowadays. That's why it's so important. But here's the other reason why it's so important to have a foundational phrase. What did you notice about the foundational phrases that I just mentioned? Short. They're short. They're short. Uh, yeah. And sticky. And, and the, also, reason, the reason why it's sticky. The rhyming, you know, it is like, or, or maybe alliteration, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to say. It's easy to repeat. And as Honey said, it's sticky. So it's short. Now, the reason it should be fewer than 10 words, why do you think that is? Why do you think it should be fewer than 10 words? It goes into your mind immediately. Yeah. And here's we the other reason. forget long things. Yeah, they we do. They forget long stuff. They do. Yeah. They do. But the other reason why it should be fewer than 10 words is this because it forces you to be crystal clear on what your message is. Make no mistake about it. The number one reason the speaker won't get his or her message across is because he's not crystal clear on what his message is. Fewer than 10 words forces you to be crystal clear. When I first got into the industry, the advice was, well, if you can write your message on the back of a business card, that means it's clear enough. And I was always thinking, you have no idea how small I can write. <laughs> I can write a novel on the back of a, but fewer than 10 words forces you to be crystal clear. But here's the other thing. Do you ever wonder what to keep in your story and what to keep out? Yeah. Have you ever wondered that? Have you, what because, to keep in your story, what to keep out? That, that's what keeps the story from going all over the place. Yeah. So here's the answer. The phrase determines what stays. Yeah, because I remember, I remember a lot of people love their content and they don't want to let go their content. Exactly. But, but <laughs> thank you, honey. The, the phrase determines what stays. So if what you're saying supports your foundational phrase, keep it in. If it doesn't, toss it out. Even if it's great, it just doesn't belong in this story. Yeah. So to keep the story tight, it needs to support your foundational phrase. And the last thing I'll say about the foundational phrase is this. No phrase, no stage. No phrase, no stage. What, what does that mean? It means if you don't have a foundational phrase for your story, don't take it to the stage yet. So people say, well, what should I do? Take it to Toastmasters. <laughs> take it to, they will give you a foundational phrase. Here, I'll give you an example. This is a little risque, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. It was completely 100% innocent on my part. But let me just say, this is an example. Have you ever gone to a drive through restaurant and placed your order and been misunderstood? Yeah, I do it always, uh, especially because I'm very new to U.S. and sometimes I don't understand their accent or they don't understand my accent. Exactly. Well, I can't mention the name of this restaurant for, for legal purposes, <laughs> but it, its initials are K, F, and C. <laughs> <laughs> so, so imagine being in my passenger seat. I'm driving through the KFC. I get to the intercom. The lady says, welcome to KFC. How may I help you? I thought, oh, yes, I would like three thighs. She said, small or large? Well, what would you say? What would you say? And I said the absolute wrong thing without even thinking about it. I said, do you have large thighs? 
Last highs. <laughs> I'm going to recommend that you never ask anyone that question. <laughs> well, she did come back and she said, yes, we have small and large sides. How may I help you? But I'm just rolling over an embarrassment. Yeah. And I called a friend of mine that night and he said, Craig, what you say is not always what they hear. Boom. Now I have a foundational phrase I can use that can be remembered, repeated, retreated, reposted, and so forth. So sometimes the key is just share your story, see what your audience gets from it, turn that into a foundational phrase, and make sure that you only keep the content that supports that phrase. Yeah, I heard this beautiful foundation phrase comes from you when you make them visible, you make them valuable. See how you remember it? Yes. See how you remember when you make when you make them visible, they make you valuable. And that goes along with my Sheen story, Sheen Factor story yeah. about Martin Sheen. Yeah. So very important to master storytelling. But honey, there's something else that people need to master as well. And I hope you give me a minute to talk about this. Sure. Sure. We got to learn how to sell. Yeah. And I'm not talking about just products and services. I'm talking about selling ideas. <laughs> the, the best speakers embrace this. The worst ones or the, the least effective ones avoid it. And here is the sad part. You only have to master one formula, one formula, and this is it. Never sell a product, always sell what? What do you think? Never sell a product, always sell what? Uh, the benefit of the product? Yeah, the results. That's the results. The impact. The impact, the outcome, the benefit, the results. Never sell a service, always sell the results. And if you're speaking, never sell an idea, always sell the results. If you're in leadership, never sell change, always sell the results. What if you're going for an interview? Never sell yourself. Well, you know, I have 15 years of it. Nobody cares. Always sell the result. Here, here's a case in point. I'm, I'm old. I'm older now. So decades ago, many decades ago, I went to buy my first car ever in life. And I went to the dealership and the salesperson came up to me and he says, are you looking at that car? I said, yes, sir. He said, great. Let me tell you about it. This car has these types of brakes, this type of engine, this type of window, this type. What's he trying to sell me? The car. Oh. Right. I just said, never sell a product, always sell the results. So I, I said, thank you, but no, thank you. I went to a different dealership, same day, different salesperson, same car. Now, Deepak, this guy must have known where I was emotionally at that point in my life, you know, young and single and looking to mingle. <clears throat> and so <laughs> feel free to use that one. And so he walks up to me. He says, are you looking at that car? I said, yes, sir. He said, mm, mm, mm. you're going to look good in that one. <laughs> He said, yeah, man, the, the wind's going to be blowing through your hair and the girls are going to be all over you. I said, where do I sign? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I said, where do I sign? <laughs> I'm telling you, he made the sale not because he sold me the car, but he sold me what? The results. <laughs> and he lied. <laughs> I, I, was, I was lonely in that car. <laughs> I tell people just, just me and my payment were in that car, but, but don't, don't lie, but definitely don't sell the product or the service or the idea or change or yourself. Always sell the result. Yeah, because and, and, and this is what changed. This is what changed my business by learning that, because here's what I did. I asked my audience, raise your hand. If a year from now, you'd like to be at least three times better than the speaker you are today. All hands go up. I said, then great, for absolutely free, you can go to one of my websites, which is 52speakingtips.com. That's 52speakingtips.com. And every week for a year, you're going to get an audio lesson from me. And by the end of that year, you will be at least three times better than the speaker you are today. Now, let's stop right there. Let's, let's dissect that just for one second. What was the result? That you will be better after one year. Yeah, three times better. Yeah. What was the resource? 52 speaking tips. The website. Which one did I mention first? 
You want to uh, stay free. You want to stay free, don't you? <laughs> the result. Yeah. The result. So here's the addition to that formula. Never sell a product. Always sell the result. Always put the result before the resource. Yeah. If you're in leadership, always state the result before the request. Because if I did it the other way around, the way most people do it, it would have sounded like this. Raise your hand if you'd like to receive 52 emails from me. <laughs> yes. I don't think my opt-in would be. <laughs> Thank you, honey. I appreciate that. I don't think my opt-in rate would be as high. So never sell the product. Always sell the result. Always put the result before the resource. And when you're going into a new point that you're going to make in your keynote, for example, let them know what result they're going to get out of it before you even dive into that point. So a lot of different things you can do just with those two quick formulas. Never sell the product, always sell the results. In 2019, I wrote this book, uh, Move Mountains One Story at a Time. See, the result is move mountains. Yeah. It's right there. Move mountains one and then one story at a time, which is the resource. I love it. And you know how many stories are there in this book? I do not. 52. Ah! (laughs) So whenever somebody asks us one story at a time, we left it at a curiosity level. And then we tell them, you know, every week you read one story and implement it in your life. I love that. I love that. And if I, I don't know if you have those stories on audio as well, but I would do the same thing I did with 52 speaking tips and just give them 52 stories and have them keep coming back time. It would be a fantastic thing for people to to actually experience the stories uh, as well. So, but yeah, I love that. I love that title. Yeah. So, uh, and honey, any more questions from you? Yes, I have one more question. Now that uh, I know Craig had really enjoyed his trip in India, I want to take him back to India. Infosys Mysore was one of my favorite places as well. It's a beautiful campus, I must say, and I'm very sure you would have enjoyed it. My question is that I know you really loved India. You really admired your time in India. Is there something that you really dislike or something that you would always remember that, ah, I didn't like that there. Anything that you would like to in, in India? In India. There was nothing that I disliked. There was something that happened. Dr. Dillip came with me. Dr. Dillip was out there. I don't know if you, you know, know Dillip. About right. And he, we stopped on the side of the road and he got something to eat and then he got violently ill. Uh, but that was, I, I think that was just kind of a coincidence. Nothing happened to me. I, everything about that trip for me was, was fantastic. And yeah, I mean, that was, that was one of my favorite trips and I would love to come back. So I don't care where you invite me back into India, count me in, count me You're in. Inviting oh. you to Delhi next time, Delhi. <laughs> Thank you. You've got a confirmation from Craig, invite him to the district next time. Yes. Count me in. You have the proof. The proof is right here. I said, yes, count me in. I'm coming. Yeah. Deepak, yeah. please keep this clip. <laughs> Share it with me. Uh, Craig, uh, I'm, uh, I'm trying to find your world championship speech. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. No, what happened is it, it's not out there. I think Bill Stevens has it. And I'm fine with that. You know, you know why? Because let's say you've improved 22 or three years worth of improvement. You want people to see your most recent. Yeah, that's, you know, it's like if they, if if somebody was to say, and I'm not comparing myself to him at all, but if somebody was to say, Hey, let's see how good of a player Michael Jordan was. They're not going to show him the early, you know, they're going to show later on when he got really good. So 
yeah, I, I, I don't mind that it's not out there. It was a great <laughs> moment. <laughs> it was a great moment in my life, but it was a prompt, not the pinnacle. Ah, I love that. Yeah. But, yeah. but it will always be a champion speech, championship speech, right? Yeah, it, it always will. It will always be a championship speech. I, I, I appreciated that whole journey and I loved it. And, and I tell people... The title, the title of the speech. The title of the speech was A Key to Fulfillment. Ah. A key to fulfillment. Yeah, it was all about taking <laughs> it was all about taking at least five minutes of silence each day to listen to yourself, to listen to your spirit, to listen to where you want to go. And because you know, at the time I'm meditating 30 days in the morning, 30 days in the evening. I knew I couldn't get people to do that, but I could get them to at least take five minutes of silence. And so that's what the story was about. And I ended my speech without speaking. I ended my, cause it was on silence, right? So I said, now you're going to get something that's more important than anything that I've talked about so far. You're going to get something that's so important. I don't remember the exact words that I used. I'm going to leave you with this. And then I was just silent. And that's the way the speech ended. And then somebody, and then I, and then somebody in the audience yelled out, oh yeah, silence. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. But I think that's what got me the trophy is, is finishing the speech without actually speaking. And that was that was pretty new. And then a couple of years later, Jim Key did the same thing, but he used sign language yeah, at, I at the end. So, you know, one of the things I, I'll I'll let you know this, I'm I'm pretty sure we're coming to the end here is. And you alluded to it earlier, Deepak, and I think, honey, you also alluded to it. You really have to see this whether you've won the world championship or not, like you said, it can only be one champion per year, it, but you really have to see yourself as a speaker before you get out there. And when I was in the mid nineties, one of my jobs was I was a events manager for a technology expo company. And one of my jobs was setting up the stage for the speakers, right? Can you imagine that all the while wanting to be the speaker? So I'm laying down cords and taping them down and I'm moving chairs around and I'm, I'm moving the lectern up front. I'm moving more. They used to call me the chairman because I used to move so many chairs and I used to move more chairs, but it never failed. Every single solitary time I went into one of these empty ballrooms, I would go up to the front, stand behind the lectern and look out and imagine that one day people would come to see me. I had to see it. And I always knew I would tell this story because I always knew I was going to see it and I was going to be it. Whenever I stood behind one of those lecterns, I always said to myself, today I move the chairs, tomorrow I move the audience. My God. Wow. That's truly wow, Greg. It's really wow. I think um, you have uh, really touched us here today because yeah. all of us wants to move hearts, move, move audience in, in, our, in our journey of speaking. And uh, that is why I, I loved getting mentored from you. And I was part of that uh, journey of becoming a world-class speaking coach. And it was an amazing experience. Before we end, uh, Craig, share with us, if people would like to connect with you, what are your uh, uh, offerings and how they can connect with you uh, if they want to learn from you or get coached by you? Well, that's the front door is what I mentioned before, which is if you want to be three times better than the speaker you are today within one year, come to 52speakingtips.com. That's 52speakingtips.com. And do you mind if I leave them with, with a question? Sure. All right, I just want to leave you with this. 
when I used to win at the club level and the area level and division level, of course, I would get trophies and awards and rewards and attaboys and pats on the back and all this, but it never failed. There was always people who would come up to me afterwards and say, great job, man. Great job. You're going to win the next one. And I'm like, I don't know. I just want to touch lives, right? Even in 1999, I just wanted to touch lives. But the interesting thing was every time I reached out my hand to touch a life, somebody put a trophy in it, right? <laughs> <laughs> but here's the key. And I think this is the real key. I never reached for the trophy. I always reached for the life. So as you're in this industry and, and wanting to speak, I have one question for you. What are you reaching for? Thank you wow. so much, Craig. This is awesome. What are you reaching for, friends? Ask yourself this question. I think it's time to ponder upon this question. What are you reaching for? Are you reaching for trophy or are you reaching for touching lives, making impact with your stories? No doubt, Deepak. We had so many keepers. I mean, even if I have to summarize, I'll take another seven minutes and it will be like a speech almost. But yes, <laughs> the best for the day. What are you reaching for? Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Craig, for coming you, to the show. Your story, your glory. I'm sure with your learning, your tips, your tricks, and 52 speaking tips, people will create amazing story that will take them to a glory. Absolutely. Thank you, Deepak. Thank you, honey. I'll see you in India soon. India, very soon. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're coming here very soon. Take Thank care. You, Thank you, Yes, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you so much, dear friends, for listening to this episode with Craig Valentine along with my co-host, Hani Khanduja. We enjoyed this conversation with Craig. I hope you also learned many things, especially on how to craft stories. Do subscribe to our podcast and share it with others so that anyone and everyone can take advantage of this learning from these professional speakers. We'll come back again next week with our next episode. See you soon. Till then, take care and bye-bye.